Hey, Jacob 12 Podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. It is a very exciting week. We're going to be starting a series in a part of the Bible we don't look at a lot, but a part that is really crucial to understand not only the rest of the Bible, but also how to get through those times where we feel stuck in between. And so this week we're going to start a series called The Wilderness. Anybody get stuck in traffic this week? I mean, just, you know, in the snow, Tuesday, that, you know, it was a horrible day. I left church too late and it took me like forever to get home. And, and you're driving and you're white knuckling and there's cars in the ditch and there's lights ahead of emergency vehicles and you're going like two miles an hour and you'd be afraid to go any further. Hate that feeling, don't you? When was the last time you were stuck in an airport? Anybody got stuck in an airport recently? That probably meant you went someplace warm without us. We forgive you. Way to go. But that thing of being stuck in an airport, I don't know if you've ever been there where your flight gets delayed or canceled, and you're in this place where people should not be kept, and in these horrible seats that I, I swear they seek to make them uncomfortable, and you can't sleep in them, and just horrible. You know, that, that's what it feels like to be stuck in between. You ever felt like you're stuck in between? I mean, you're not where you were, the place where you were comfortable, the place where you knew who you were and what was going on, what the rules were, and you're not where you're going yet. You're, you're somewhere in between. Well, that's what we want to talk about a little bit today. It's a horrible feeling to feel like you're in between, isn't it? I mean, part of it is, is this feeling of having to wait. You know, that, that I got things to do, I got things I want to accomplish, I only got one life, but I'm stuck here and I have to wait. In addition to that, it, it steals you from the present. I don't know if you've ever noticed that when you're ever in a season of in-between, you're really, you're really focused on either longing for where you used to be or having anxiety about where you're going, where you don't know who's there and what's going to work and how it's going to work. Maybe for you it's that feeling of not being in control. Being in control is a myth anyway, but, but, but when you're in between, you really feel out of control. I, I get afraid when I'm in between. Again, there's just so much I don't know what's going to happen and how this is going to work out. And I was comfortable and now I'm not. And, and sometimes I get overly aggressive trying to take control and trying to fix, trying to push. I don't know if you're, you're like this, but sometimes when I'm stuck in traffic, I see that emergency lane over there. I just think, I know I don't want to be that guy, but what if I just got up to the, 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 the next, next off-ramp, you know? And you're tempted to take things in control. You know, the other thing about being in between is it feels embarrassing sometimes. Because really, the, the people who are successful in this life, they've arrived, right? I mean, they've got it figured out, their finances, their life, their family, their spiritual self. And, and they just have got it all together. But when you're in the between... You're just kind of unsettled. And, and, and then you find yourself just getting, you know, impatient and, and, and frustrated. And I shouldn't have to wait like this. You know, it's interesting how much of life is in between. Maybe for you, your in between looks like right now, you're between jobs. You had a job and it was what it was, but it's gone now. And now you're looking for this other thing or you're starting a job or you're looking for a job. Maybe for you, you're in between relationships. You were seeing this person and it was getting serious, but now and then, oh, it's not. And then now there's other person and maybe, but you know, they haven't called back and all all those kinds of things like that. You're in between on that whole thing. Maybe for you it's a little more serious. It looks like a divorce. Maybe you have had this relationship you thought was going to be the one and then life happened and now you're wondering what life is going to be like next. Maybe for you it's, it's, it's you're that student who is about to graduate maybe in the spring and, and, and now you're, you're hearing about this thing called real life and you're not sure what that means and you've got great community on campus and friends and you're strong with that and, and what's it going to be like. Maybe you have graduated and, and just recently and you, you haven't been able to figure out how to do life because it was so 
so good before. You know, so much of life is the in-between, right? It starts off as a kid, and as a kid, you're supposed to become a youth, and you don't know what that means, because you still like doing some kid things, but, but now I'm supposed to become a youth, and as a youth, you're supposed to become a young adult, whatever that is, and, and, and now I'm supposed to progress, and then as a young adult, I'm supposed to go to college and life or military or some other thing or get a trade, and, and, and now I'm supposed to be adulting. Right? And, and, and how's that supposed to work? Maybe for you, it's the, the nature of your long-term relationship in marriage. I don't know if you realize this or not, but your marriage is going to change, and you're going to change, and your partner is going to change in marriage just, just throughout the, the progression of how it goes. I mean, you marry this person, and, and she's this way, and, and, and you're dating her, and then all of a sudden, this is her married, and her married is different than her dating. And then, you know, uh, she gets a new job, and now she's really, and now he's really, and, and wow. And then all of a sudden, you have a child. You want to talk about a never-ending process of being in between. You start, and you get this baby, and it cries, and it smells, and you say, this is the worst. It couldn't be any worse. <laughs> and then it starts walking around and getting into your stuff. You can't do what you want, and now you're in the in-between. And, and so many foolish parents will try to push through those times, you know, instead of just taking the day and being present. But of course then, of course they become children, and then, then you know, they start to talk, and then they start to talk back, and, and then they're in that 10-minute that moment when you're cool, and then they become teenagers, you know. And then they grow up and they leave. And maybe for you, you're in between as an empty nest thing or maybe a retirement thing where I used to go to work and this is my day and this is what life looked like. And now I've got this time, but it's filling up and I'm not sure exactly what all of this is supposed to mean. See, the truth is, is that most of life is lived in that unsettling place of being in between. It's lived in that thing where things are uncertain, things are shifting, things are changing. And, and nowhere is that more true than in our spiritual life. That, that the spiritual life should not be thought of so much as a, an event, as much as it should be understood as a journey. In fact, theologians have a word for this, a term they use actually. It, it, it's that, that spiritually speaking, we are in the now and the not yet. That is to say, so much of our faith, so much of our salvation, so much of what it means to be a Christian, we are experiencing now, but then there's a big part of it we have not yet experienced. We're somewhere in between. And, and, and this could be a, a really big deal. It's that, that I've come to know God, and truly my life has been changed. I'm not what I was, but I'm not yet what I want to be. And although some big things in my life have changed, there's some other actually, honestly, big things in my life that probably should change that haven't changed yet. Some, some struggles that, that are really inconsistent of what it means to be a, a Christian. And so I'm in the middle of this. I have been changed. I'm changing, and I believe I'll change further, but, but you know what? Uh, my faith just hasn't grown to that place. Now, if you're here kind of freaking out saying, you know, I thought when I came to Christ, everything was going to change. I was going to arrive. Understand this thing of being in the in-between is normal. It's what the Bible describes. And if you think about it, it only makes sense. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what our faith looks like in the in-between. Now, now there's one group I, I particularly want to talk to over these next couple of weeks, and it's those of you who grew up in church. Now, the reason I want to talk to you is because very often what happened to you is that you came to church and you loved church. You maybe grew up in a loving, great church. Maybe you grew up in Jacob's Well Church. We were 20 years now. We, we have like a couple crops of kids who grew up here and are adults now. Crops. I shouldn't call them crops, but you know what I mean. 
and the faith you got down at Jacobswell family, Jacobswell kids, and this Roxanne, it was real, it was powerful, it was, it was incredible, but it was the faith we give to children. And now you're starting to get older, and maybe you're going to college, you're in high school, and you're starting to get addressed with some really big questions, and you're not sure how your faith speaks to that. You're not sure about, my goodness, what about evil, and what about struggles, you know, of, 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 of people who don't hear about Christ, and, and, and what about these, these things about caring about the environment, and what about these things of, of, you know, social justice, and how does that reconcile with faith? And, and let me just say, the faith that was, listen now, very appropriate for you when you were a child needs to grow up needs to be in transition, and you really deeply feel like you're in the in-between. Well, well, we're going to talk about some of that in these next several weeks as we look at this series. Now, now, in order to really understand this, we are going to look at a passage of Scripture that, honestly, Christians don't look at very often. For one, it's in the first part of the Bible, the old, old part of the Old Testament. It's some of the earliest stories told. And sometimes when we read it, we go, wow, it looks like rules and weird stuff, and I have no idea how this applies. In addition to that, there are some really misguided theologians who have told us that that part of the Bible, that part, that law, that early history, that's not important anymore. That's optional. And you know, you don't need to understand that. And what I'm going to show you is that actually you will not understand anything deeply about God or about Jesus or about your salvation unless you understand the foundation that's laid in the part of the scripture we're going to look at during this time. Um, the other thing that makes this part of the scripture really difficult is that it's been abused a lot, it's been misappropriated, and honestly, when you read it, it's a little unsettling because it's a really bloody part of the Bible. It's a really kind of part of the Bible where you go, wow, those people were barbaric. They were messed up. And, and you remember, that during this time, this is like the late Bronze Age in human history. So it's a pretty barbaric time. And so, so our temptation, listen, now, we're going to talk about this deeply next week. Our temptation is to judge them by our standards as being enlightened people of modernity. We, we, we are enlightened. And those poor barbaric people, but I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, but that's one of the reasons we don't look at it. Now, in addition to this, um, um, there's just uh, some work that's required to really access this part of the scripture. Because what we're going to look at is a part of the scripture called the wilderness wanderings. It is actually a 40-year period where the children of Israel are freed from slavery in Egypt... And it's 40 years in, in the wilderness. The pictures you've been seeing uh, in the, the bumper video and to introduce the series, um, those are actually pictures from the Judean wilderness. So those are the places where these stories took place. It is a hard, dry, terrible, inhospitable place. And it's the place where they find themselves in between. They're, they're, they're freed from slaves, so they're no longer slaves, but they have not entered into the promised land into God's rest. And one of the biggest challenges for them, and listen now, for us as well, is to learn to live in the freedom we have. To no longer live like slaves. Now, we're not slaves, but we have to learn to think differently, act differently, and some things have to change. We're going to discover that every other part of the Bible, including the New Testament, looks back to this, ta- this time as a, as, a, as, as a foundation, as an example. And so to understand what happens here is super, super in, important. In this passage of scripture, we're going to see some of the most foundational teachings about who God 
God is, about who we are. And one of the temptations is to not like God as he presents himself in these passages. That's a misunderstanding, and, and we'll unpack it. And I think you're going to see he's actually glorious in this passage. But we don't like him. You know, we have kind of a buffet approach to God. I don't know if you noticed that. See, all the things that God has shown us about himself, and we say, hmm, I'll take a little love. Some forgiveness. Oh, some joy. I love joy. Ooh, judgment. Not into that. Oh, holiness. It's like kale. I know I should, but I just can't, right? Now, here's what happens when you select the attributes of God you want. You get a Franken God. Something you've sewn together and you've pieced together and something that will meet your supposed needs. And let me just tell you, it's a false God. And one of the big things that God wants to do, and he lays the foundation in this teaching, is to show us who he really is. To show us what he's really like. And he says, listen, you don't get to pick. He says, you get to respond as I have revealed myself, and, and this is the true God. And, and he's going to reveal it, and he's going to see, it's going to leave with Jesus. It's going to be an awesome, awesome thing. And so this story of the wilderness is wonderfully important. Now, i got a map I want to throw up here and give you a little bit of the background. So the story is this. First book of the Bible is Genesis. In the book of Genesis, world's created. Some things happen. And there's this guy by the name of Abraham. Abraham's chosen by God. God says to Abraham, I'm going to make a gigantic nation out of you. And you know what? I'm going to bring you to a promised land. It's going to be awesome. But before I do that, I'm going to take your descendants and I'm going to bring you to Egypt. And you're going to be in Egypt 400 years. And it's going to be hard in Egypt. You're going to be living in slavery for 400 years. And the reason why is because the land that I'm going to bring you in, it's full of people. And I'm going to strive with them. And there's going to be wars there. It's going to be terrible there. And I'm going to take you out of that. And I'm going to put you in Egypt. And you're going to just prosper. And so what ends up happening is Abraham has Isaac, Isaac has his son Jacob, and then Jacob has 12 sons, one of them is named Joseph. Joseph goes up to Egypt, leads the people there, and they live there. It's all great until there's become so many of the children of Abraham called the Israelites. So many of them, one of the pharaohs go, huh, this is not good. Instead of having them right in the middle of our country as allies, we're going to enslave them. And we're going to do terrible things to them, and, 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 and we're going to control them. And so for 400 years, they are enslaved. And then all of a sudden, what happens? They cry out to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Listen now, a God they know nothing about. So, so again, 400 years of slavery. Think about that. Twice as long as our country has existed. That means their fathers and their fathers, 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 fathers were slaved. And the only thing they would have known about God is what they saw the Egyptians worshiping. And they would have said, well, those are the Egyptians' gods. We don't really have a God. We had a God when we was Cana. But when we moved up here, apparently that God stayed behind because he doesn't really seem like he's there. All we know is that there was a God the God of Abraham, and we cry out to him. Well, eventually, God said, you know, now's the time, and he sends this guy. Who does he send? He sends Moses. Moses goes in, says to Pharaoh, let my people go, and then he, he, you know, sends plagues, and this big story happens, and all of a sudden, they are set free. The Pharaoh says, just go. Just go, right? And by the way, if you want to learn the story of Exodus, do not watch any of the movies that they've made about the story, okay? (laughs) Useless, confusing, just read the Bible. Okay, just do that. That's going to be one of my challenges this week. So they get out of Egypt and they're running for their lives. And all of a sudden Pharaoh says, you know what? I'm going to go and kill them. And so he chases in the army and then they're running from Egypt and they cross the Red Sea. I actually think they crossed the Red Sea down here, but we're not going to get into that. Anyway, the point is, is they crossed the Red Sea and they ended up in Mount Sinai. I actually think Mount Sinai is over here. Anyway, the whole point is, is that 
that's really in the weeds. We don't have time for that. But the whole point is this, is that God parted the Red Sea and they, children of Israel, escaped. And so their enemies, their slaveholders are behind them and now they're delivered, right? They're a free people. They are on the other side of the Red Sea. The water closed in, the Egyptians dead, and here they are on the Red Sea. In fact, let me show you a scripture that just describes this. It's in Exodus chapter 14, verse 21. Let's take a look at what it says. It says, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were delivered. Divided. Next verse. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. Keep going. One more. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hands of the Egyptians. Look at this. And the Israelites saw that the Egyptians were dead on the seashore. Let's keep going. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against them. So this is the first time they see their God. And what do they see is, okay, this is a serious God. He saw the, the power used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord. That's where they start. And actually, that's where it starts. Fearing the Lord is understanding that he's really big, got a lot of power, and he's meant to be taken seriously. It's a holy awe. And so they feared the Lord. Look at this. And they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Okay. So crossroads. See, my gosh, he delivered us. I thought we were going to die. Now we've been saved. And I believe in this God. Now, here's the thing you need to understand about these people who believed in this God. They don't know anything about him. I mean, they don't know. Is this a good God? Is this a bad God? Is this one of the rebel gods from Egypt? Is this the, the, the other God? I mean, is, is he kind? Is he compassionate? What's he going to require in terms of sacrifice? So, so understand, imagine, children of Israel just got delivered from the Egyptians. They're on the other side of the Red Sea, and there's like a million people here, and here's Moses. They're looking at each other and say, that was cool. Wow, awesome. Now what are we going to do? Because understand what these people didn't have. Here's just a little list of the things they didn't have. They had no identity as a nation, And as individuals, as anything but slaves. So they saw themselves as weak and slaves. They had no laws to govern them. They had no land that they could call their own, although God had promised to bring them to a land. They had no government. They had no security. They had no resources. They had no army. And they had no theology. That is to say, so many of the things we just know about God, because 5,000 years later it sunk into our culture and our minds and our church teachings, they didn't know anything. And so they did not know who they were dealing with, this God who they believed in. They just knew they needed to take him seriously, and he is real. And so that's where they started. And so now they begin this journey. Now throw that map back up there. Now, what ends up happening is God brings them into Mount Sinai, and some bad stuff happens there. They do some stupid stuff, all right? And then he leads them up there, and he says, at Kadesh Barnea, I'm going to lead you into this great land over here. They rebel, and so they end up having to go in circles. And then eventually, 40 years later, did you hear what I just said? 40 years later, they ended up going around and finally going in to the land. But for 40 years, there were lessons they had to learn. There was understanding about themselves and God they needed to discover. There were some people who were part of the, the people of God who were not good people, who, who just needed to get, get, get got, gotten rid of. And, and they spent time in this time of wilderness wandering. And, 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 and they were led 
in, uh, by this giant pillar. There was this pillar, and it was a cloud by day. It was a fire by night. It's actually meant to be an understanding of the Holy Spirit. And when that one that moved, they followed it. They learned how to worship. They received laws. They received all kinds of understanding about what it meant to be people in a society. Now, now here's the big question for us. What does that mean for us? How are we supposed to understand or get any benefit from this over the next several weeks? We're going to be like in this book, like till Easter, uh, and it's multiple books. I understand that this period of time represents 165 chapters of the Bible. The teachings, the story, we're not going to do them all today. It's okay. You were saying, I was thinking lunch. Anyway, the, the, th- the, thing, the thing is, is that it represents a huge part of the scripture. And it's so foundational. And it's full of lessons and understandings. And so, so understand, this thing that was written 5,000 years ago is relevant today. Well, how? Well, let's take a look at what the Apostle Paul says about this passage and this season. And understand, you could find 50 or maybe 100 references of other people in the Bible referring to this time of wilderness wander. It's super foundational super pivotal look what he says he says this he says for i do not want you to be unaware now some of you have been unaware of these passages of scripture for a long time maybe you read through them maybe you haven't but the whole point is you don't recognize the treasure that is waiting for you in this section if you would just become aware of what's there he said i don't want you to be aware brothers that our fathers were under the cloud so what's the cloud that was that big cloud that led them he said they're being led by god by that cloud in the same way we're led by the spirit and all passed through the sea now what does it mean to pass through the sea we're going to see in the new testament passing through the sea is a picture of salvation it's a picture of baptism look what it says and all were baptized into moses what we're going to see is that Moses becomes a picture of Christ and in the cloud. And so they were baptized in the water of the sea and they were baptized in the spirit, which is a picture of salvation. So, so, so the wilderness water wandering is meant to be a metaphor. It's meant to be an example. The lessons they learned there, we're supposed to learn. Now, many of the laws they're supposed to follow, we're not supposed to follow. They, they were in the Bronze Age and they were appropriate for them. But, but the principle the revelations of God, the morality, that still speaks to us today. The wisdom of God. Look what he says after this. Go on. He says, and all ate the same spiritual food. The spiritual food he's referring to is manna that came from heaven. The way God provided for them in between. And if you would look, you would see lessons about how God will provide for you in the in-between. One of the best things about being in the in-between is learning to trust God and not yourself. Well, that's the spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink. They were nourished by God. And they drank from the spiritual rock. And, and when they're in the middle of the wilderness, there's no water. And so they asked Moses, and Moses hit a rock, and water came from the rock. He said they drank from that spiritual rock. And he said and, and that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And so the pictures in this time are meant to be metaphors that point to who God is and what his plan is. And, and there's 50 other examples of this. There are 50 other examples of this. Uh, the tabernacle is a picture of worship. The stories that happen one after the other are meant to say, God saying, this is who I am and this is foreshadowing my plan. You see, God is so vast and we are so far from our understanding of God that it took 3,000 
2,000 years for God to unpack this with his people and to finally show us who he is when he sent Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate revelation of who he is. And you're going to see Jesus is all over in the wilderness wanderings. And when you see it, it'll blow your mind. And I believe if you're serious about it, you'll never be bored with this passage of scripture again. Paul goes on. Take a look at verse 5. He says, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, this is what you need to understand. This is the bloody part. Is that the people, you don't don't know how Moses describes them and how God describes them? He says they're stiff-necked and they're rebellious. They're stubborn and they won't learn. Now, I'm glad we're not like that today. These horrible, barbaric people back then. Right? He said, and this is the deal, for you to become a great nation, some of them have to go away. And this is what one of the things you're going to discover in the wilderness wandering. Is that God will lead you into the wilderness wandering because if you're going to live free, if you're no longer going to live like a slave, if you're going to enter into the rest of God, there are some things about you, in you, around you, that you do, that you think, that you believe, that have to die. There's some things that have to go away. There's some idols that you cherish in your life. You wouldn't admit it, but the truth is, I just love this thing. It's precious to me, and it's got to die. And sometimes that comes through pain. Sometimes that comes sacrifice, difficulty, going through the wilderness in such a way. I'm just tired of carrying this around. I think it's time for me to lay this down. And so there there are things that can only happen in the wilderness. Now, he goes on from there. He says, now, look at this. These things took place as, look at this, examples for us. So why do we have the wilderness wandering? Why do we, for examples for us. We're meant to learn. We're meant to understand. There are truths there that you need to live well in the in-between that you are unaware of. And Paul says, and I would say to you, I don't want you to be unaware of them. Examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. You see, here's the thing you need to understand about the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. The salvation in Jesus Christ is not going to just save us as bad people and bring us to heaven someday. The salvation in Jesus Christ wants to change everything about us. He wants to save us from our selfishness and our smallness and our pettiness and our idolatries. He wants to save us from our brokenness. He wants to save our relationships. He wants to save our communities. He wants to bring a complete renewal. And that doesn't just happen with a teary prayer or a big decision. That is a process. That is a journey. And that journey has to go through the wilderness. You see, this is something that every great person has to do. Think about Jesus. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the stories in the gospel say this. It said, and Jesus came down from Galilee. He was baptized from John, by John. And right after he was baptized, it said this. Listen now. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So even Jesus had the wilderness of temptation. It's part of spiritual formation. It's part of growing up. Now understand that again, there there are probably 50, 100 verses where someone in a later part of the Bible refers to something in this period of the wilderness wanderings. And I want to show you one more because this is a pivotal one and it shows up in the book of Hebrews. And this, this verse is probably the backbone of the entire book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews talks about the wilderness wanderings a ton. In fact, you will not understand the book of Hebrews if you don't understand the wilderness wanderings. You just won't. And so verse 7, he says, this is what the book of Hebrews says, is therefore, as the Spirit says, and so the Spirit says to us, the Spirit speaks to us. We understand that from the New Testament. In the Old Testament, they were led by the cloud of fire and the the cloud.
cloud during the day. And that's a picture of the Holy Spirit's leading. with no whole message on that. It'll blow your mind. And in the Old Testament, the Spirit was with them. In the New Testament, the Spirit is in us. That should just blow your mind. In the Old Testament, they had a, a, a tabernacle and at times a temple where the holy presence of God reigned. When Jesus came, now the Holy Spirit lives in us. So he says, therefore, as the Spirit says, today, today, 5,000 years after the stories happened, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Do not say, you know what, I'm just going to push that away. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to say, great sermon and move on. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to continue the behavior I know I shouldn't. I'm not going to do the work that I need to do to become aware of what's in this book that I desperately need to, 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 to make. It says, today if you hear your voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. He said, so don't be like they were. We're going to see the specific day of rebellion he referred to in just a couple weeks. But he says there was a hardening of the heart. And the hardening of the heart was they didn't know who they were. They had no identity. They were more afraid of the situation than they were of God. They, they believed more in fear than they believed in God. They didn't know who God was yet. He said, and they hardened their heart. Go to the next verse. Therefore, he said, because they hardened their heart, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Because here's the deal. God's whole plan is to bring them out of slavery and to teach them to no longer live as slaves, learn how to treat each other and love each other, do all that stuff. And then, and then, and then, and then bring them to the promised land. The promised land is, is, is the plan of milk and honey. It's called the rest of God. And so that becomes a picture of our eternal rest, becomes a a picture of peace. And what this verse warns us about is simply this, that, that, that true faith is marked by endurance. So, so this is two things you just need to understand about, about what you get in the wilderness and what the wilderness wanderings will teach us. And the first one is this, is that real faith, we're going to say this a lot during this series, real faith and saving faith, the faith that allows us to enter into God's rest, that allows us to have eternal life, real faith, saving faith, is faith that brings change. And that change grows over time and that change endures. And so a lot of people haven't signed up for real, true, saving faith of following Christ. Some of you have signed up for fire insurance. You know what I mean? I prayed a prayer. I checked the box. And you know what? Jesus is part of my life, but he's not my life. And I really haven't changed that much. I, I don't know if I believe in him, but, you know, just in case, I prayed the prayer. And what he wants to say is that, said that, you know, many of the people, you know, they crossed over, you know, they passed through, um, they, they, they did these things, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they didn't really believe. And so what the wilderness shows you is whether or not your faith is real. Because it's tempted, it's tried, it's put under pressure. And that doesn't mean you're flawless or you don't make mistakes or you don't struggle with sin. But it means at the end of the day, I am growing and I am following Christ and I am moving in the right direction. That's the nature of true and saving faith. And something wonderful happens, listen now, something wonderful happens When the faith that you are counting on for eternal life gets tested, gets under pressure in the wilderness. You know what happens? Is that when that you pass that test, you are given the most wonderful gift from the Holy Spirit. You are given assurance. You are given assurance. You know what? I've been through so much and I've seen so much that at the end of the day, you know what? I know that I know. 
I belong to God and, and, and I'm part of his family and he belongs to me. And you know what? He is with me. Now, when your faith is young and it's new, and some of you maybe your faith is young and new here in Rainer City. I just came at Christmas and prayed that prayer with you. And, and I, don't, I don't know anything about God. I'm like standing by the Red Sea waiting to get started. And others of you have been following God for a while. And, and, and you say, you know what? I'm in the middle of the wilderness. And others of you have been seasoned. And you say, you know what? I've been through some stuff. And because I've been through the stuff and I found God faithful and I found that he is faithful to complete the work he began in me. And so listen now, he's making me faithful more and more so that now I know that there is a God and he's in my life. And that assurance comes most wonderfully through this great, great thing of going through the wilderness. There are so many lessons that we could discover. We could study the wilderness wanderings for years, story after story, law after law. Uh, we study the tabernacle for just a year and not begin to see all that's there. But, but what we're going to do is we're going to get started. And, and I want to challenge you in a couple ways to get started. Uh, the first is I want to let you know about a couple events coming up. And I hope you appreciate all we're trying to bring to you to help you in the wilderness. If your marriage is in a wilderness, go to Marriage Journey. Just check it out. What do you got to lose, Right? Okay, go check it out and get some foundational principles to get your marriage just set in who God is. The second thing I want to let you know is about Alpha. You know what Alpha is? It might be for some of you who grew up in the church who have questions. This is a safe place to ask questions. You can say, okay, what about people in Africa who never heard about Jesus? What about all the evil in the world? What about Christians not caring about the environment? You know, what about, can we trust the Bible? Did Jesus really live? You say, you ask questions like at a church, we do an Alpha. And so if you're... You're hung up in your wilderness. Is I don't know what I believe about these things. Alpha is a step for you. Maybe for you, you're brand new. Like I say, you just came to Christ. You say, I don't know how to use this Bible. I don't even have a Bible. You know, I don't know how to pray. I don't know the basic stuff. Formation 101 is where you want to start. But this brand new, so excited uh, to offer this. This is the place where you start getting your foundation laid so that as you go through this in-between seasons, you find God working. Next thing I want to challenge you with is pick up a devotion on the way out. Maybe it's been a while, maybe you've been a Christian and you've done some serious study in the past, but it's been a long time since you've read this, let alone studied this. Okay? Grab the devotion. What we're going to challenge you to do is read the first part of the Exodus, get the backstory this week. So you're going to read about Moses and the uh, Ten Commandments, not Ten Commandments, Moses and the, uh, the Pharaoh and all that kind of stuff. First 14 chapters of the book of Exodus. Really won't take you that long over the week, but this is the challenge this week to get the backstory. That will set you up for success in understanding the rest of this teaching week in and week out. Now maybe you're here this week, and there's just one more challenge I want to give you, is, is you're here and you say, you know what, you don't understand, I am right in the middle of in between. You know what can feel like in between? Grief can feel like in between. Our loss. I've lost something. I've lost someone. And I, I, it's not the way it was. And I don't know where this is going to go. And I just need someone to pray for me. You need to go to the prayer room. You know, if you're here in the worship, worship, um, worship center, you can go right over here. There's a room over there, prayer room. The folks there would love to meet with you. If you are in uh, the theater, right, right over to the right behind the curtain there, we've got, we've got some wonderful people there waiting to pray for you and interact with you. If you just need prayer today. If you're here today and maybe you're saying, I just, I don't know if my salvation's real. You just go to the prayer room and some folks there would love to tell you about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're beginning a journey here, church. Might be one of the most important journeys we've ever taken as a church. And so I encourage you to be here, bring some folks. Next week's message particularly is going to be super important. If you can't be here, listen online. It's just going to be one of these foundational messages, I think, in the life of our church. So, so let me pray and uh, let's listen to the spirit about steps we could take. Wow, God. Um,
my heart and mind are so full. There's so much I want to say. There's so much I want your people to be aware of in this section of scripture. I pray, Father, that you'd stir up your people. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just kind of make a fire in our bones. That we would need to open the scriptures and you'd begin to teach us. And wherever people are at in their spiritual journey, whether in a good place or a hard place, or like most of us, they're somewhere in between. Father God, I just pray that you would remind us again, Father, to not harden our hearts. Father, in Jesus' name, some people are being called to go to Formation 101. Fill it with a resolve to do that. It's actually been postponed two weeks, Father, just because there's some people who are supposed to start it this week. Father God, I just pray in Jesus' name that there's some folks who are supposed to go to marriage journey. Some folks who are supposed to go to Alpha. Just give them the courage to sign up online, just to come. And, and God, just, 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 just work in their hearts. Help us pick up these devotions, Father. Help us open your word. Help us to just, in holy awe and in reverent fear, and, and just because we believe in you, recommit ourselves to discovering your word and who you are and how we're supposed to live. Father God, let us do the work. Father, we are in a wilderness and we're grateful that you have put us in the in-between because we meet you in the in-between in ways we can't meet you in any other place. And so we just offer ourselves up. Holy Spirit, give each one of us a step to take as we make our goal to know and become like your son. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.